what we've done this week uh, in many ways has been unusual. My guess is if this is your first mid-year conference, you came along expecting it to be a typical camp where you played lots of games uh, and occasionally you had to uh, put up with a devotional. It hasn't been like that at all, has it? (laughs) Um, I hope that you don't feel deceived. Uh, We try to be honest in our advertising. We warned you it would be intense, but we also encouraged you that it would be worthwhile. And I hope that's been true for you. We spend a week effectively soaking in God's word. And that's not always easy. Uh, It takes a lot of brain. It takes a lot of emotional energy. It takes focus. It takes listening to others as we discuss it and work on it together. It it, it takes uh, thoughtfully engaging and contributing, putting in your uh, comments and uh, questions and answers as well. And my guess is that some of us are feeling just plain tired. Is that right? Just absolutely exhausted. You just need to go home and have a sleep. Great. Go home and have a sleep. Uh, Don't take out your tiredness on your family. I suspect too that many of us are feeling sort of that bloated indigestion. Uh, Not from too much food, although some of you might have, um, (laughs) but from just too much information all coming at you uh, in such a concentrated way. Um, And in some sense, I'm sorry it's like that, but I I just can't help make the most of a week we get together. And so it's my fault really. I just want to keep stuffing more and more into the program and more and more into your minds and hearts. Um, But indigestion isn't always a bad thing. As long as you get time to go away and make the most of the feasting that you've done. I suspect too there's bits of confusion, questions have arisen that you've just out of nowhere, you've never thought about such topics and issues like the Trinity or predestination and you're just thinking this is, this is all too much, I, I don't know what to do with it all, I just want to curl up into a little, little ball and pretend none of it has ever happened. Well, I've got some words for you as well in a minute. This week has been about the Holy Spirit but as we've said from the beginning, if it's about the Holy Spirit guess who it will end up being about? It'll end up being about Jesus. Because Jesus said, this is John chapter 16, verse 14, he, the Holy Spirit, will glorify me because it's from me that he will receive what he'll make known to you. That is, the Spirit makes known to us the reality of Jesus and therefore he keeps pointing our eyes to Jesus. He keeps grounding our hearts in Jesus. So my hope is that as this week has gone on, Although you might have had lots of questions about the Spirit and we are talking about the Spirit, it's actually Jesus you go home with, with more clarity, more understanding, more uh, uh, response, blown away by Jesus and what he's done, his love, his mercy, his compassion, his lordship, all that he is. Now, what I want to do in a few minutes, these few minutes is try and integrate a little bit the different strands of MIC and, and see where it lands. When you came to MYC, it's on the Holy Spirit, and you, get th- you got thrown into the book of Ephesians, I'm not quite sure how you thought. Like, what's this got to do with the Spirit? Because the Spirit is only mentioned about five times in the, in the whole book. Um, but a couple of reasons we did it. So you notice the small groups and the seminars were all out of Ephesians. So that over the week, you got to know this book of the Bible. And part of our, our design of that is, so you were aware that as you struggled with it yourself, as you read it for yourself and thought it through and put Ephesians together and then got seminars on different parts of Ephesians, that you were confident that you weren't being taken for a ride by somebody else who'd worked out what they wanted you to believe and just pointed to the right verses that supported it. 
so that you, you actually saw what the Bible was saying in context. Secondly, although the book of Ephesians doesn't mention Jesus all that much, uh, sorry, mention the Spirit all that much, it is about what you could call the spiritual life. That is, being a Christian is not merely a physical life. It is a physical life. We're physical bodies. We live in this physical world. We have sun and food and each other and we punch each other and hug each other. And it, it, It's physical, but to be a Christian is to be spiritual. That is, it's to have the work of the Spirit, in one sense, take us into a new dimension, another dimension of life that isn't the mere material. But the spiritual, in biblical terms, is not opposed to material. Spiritual is opposed to sinful. A spiritual blessing is a good blessing, not an evil blessing. To live a life in the spirit is to live a life of of goodness rather than evil. It's the spirit versus the flesh. And the work of the spirit that is at the core of living a life that is spiritual, the life that Ephesians describes in all these different ways, the, the spiritual blessings, understanding that spiritually you've been made alive, by the work of God, by the powerful resurrecting work of God, by the Spirit. The the work of uniting Jew and Gentile, people who you could never expect to be united, like Dockers and Eagles fans or UWA and Curtin students. (laughs) That the Spirit unites us into a new people of God. It breaks down the barriers that nothing else can break down. The Spirit builds the body of Christ through the gifts that he gives us and enable us to speak the truth in love to one another. As we're filled with the Spirit, we want to speak to one another about this Jesus, even sing to one another, just, just let it rip, because we're so full of the goodness and the grace and the lavishness with which God has blessed us. Uh, did you pick that up in, in chapter 1? It, it's lavish grace. It's sort of like getting a bucket of warm chocolate and just pouring it all over your head. It's, it's lavished on you. And standing firm in the power and victory of Jesus, despite the the, uh, cunning and deceit of the evil one. All of those things are part of the spiritual life. And this spiritual life is both very ordinary and extremely extraordinary at the same time. It's extraordinary because by the Spirit, you who were dead, absolutely dead spiritually, have been made alive. Something of enormous power has happened within you if you belong to Jesus. Something that you could not do, never do, never even think of doing, left your own devices, has happened to you by the work of the Spirit. And that's extraordinary. You've come to believe that this Jesus who died and rose again 2,000 years ago is the Lord of the universe the Lord of history, the Lord of your life. And you've turned away from living for yourself. That living for yourself is something that, if you are living for yourself, nothing can change you to not living for yourself, can it? Except something outside coming in and transforming you from the inside out, giving you a new will, a new outlook, a new not just new perspective, but a, a new heart. And that is what the Spirit has done. Born again into a new family, to know God, the creator of the universe, as your own heavenly father. And a new nature, the power to live differently. That is, the spirit didn't just touch you one day 
and change something about your life and then go away and leave you to, to work it out. The spirit who rebirthed you, who regenerated you, has come to indwell you. And now he's working day by day, minute by minute, to produce a new person, power to live differently, leading you, bearing fruit in your life, inevitably growing you to be somebody much better than you would have been otherwise, enabling us to live a different life, a life of faith in the true and living God, a life of hope, a life of love, and all the other things that are the fruit of the Spirit, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. That's what the Spirit is doing. And he's uniting us with others who share the same Spirit, no matter who they are. I remember being at a conference once, and there was a, a, a Jew who was a Christian and a Palestinian who's a Christian. Now, if you know anything about the history of the Middle East and the current state in the Middle East, Jews and Palestinians are just, they're just no-go zones with each other. They hugged each other on stage, genuinely, brothers in Christ, united by something much more significant than what could divide them, what had divided them. It's a remarkable thing that the Spirit does in uniting us. And all of that is impossible without the work of the Spirit. It's extraordinary what he's done. It's extraordinary what you have become because of the Spirit. But in another sense, it's sort of very ordinary, isn't it? None of you seem to have these glowing halos behind your head as if that rebirth has somehow, I don't know, done something to, to, to zap you, to, to, to make you frizzle on, on the fingers. You look quite ordinary, actually. Well, most of you do. Some of you are extraordinary, but most of you look pretty ordinary. And what the Spirit does when the Spirit leads you to say no to sin. Now, somebody does something that, that, that by all rights you, you should resent, but instead you respond with compassion and forgiveness. It's very ordinary. Isn't it? It, it won't make headlines. It, it doesn't zap people. But it's actually extraordinary that people would behave in such a way. That when times are tough, when you're sick, when you fail an exam, you respond with patience and endurance and joyful thanks to God for all his blessings. That, that, it's ordinary. No one would notice probably, but it's, it's actually extraordinary. Uh, well, let me read to you from Romans 15, uh, a passage we haven't been to uh, this week, but it's about the power of the Spirit. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Here's a prayer of Paul's for the Romans, I take it, he'd pray it for us too, if he was with us. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Overflow with hope, abound in hope, that takes the power of the Spirit. To be confident, so confident that Jesus will come and bring his kingdom, that through his death and resurrection will be part of that kingdom. So confident of that, that in a sense, whatever happens in this life, it really fades into nothing much. A hope that brings joy, longing. A hope that brings a longing that others would be there with us. That is the power of the Spirit. And the Spirit is at work to bring that hope more and more. Ordinary, but extraordinary. To stand firm in Jesus when all your friends are saying you're stupid to be a Christian. 
When temptations are coming, that's whispering in your ear, come on, have some fun. There's nothing wrong with it, really. But when you stand firm and resist the wiles of the devil and continue to trust that Jesus is the Lord and you'll be loyal to him, that's an extraordinary work of the Spirit. Again, it looks ordinary, doesn't it? But it's extraordinary. And maybe one of the things that struck you this week is that the work of the Spirit doesn't, isn't that sort of extraordinary stuff I might have imagined or I might have seen in movies. I guess some of us, when we think about the work of the Spirit, we think of something like Ghostbusters. You know, they've got power, man, in the spiritual world. They can do it. They can zap things. They can get out there. They can win the world, win the battle. And you think, that's what I expect the Spirit to be like. All that really spooky, specky stuff. Now, actually, this is more extraordinary, isn't it, what we've seen? It looks ordinary, but it's actually extraordinary. So my hope and prayer is that one of the things this week has done is you've seen just how extraordinary the work of the Spirit is. That the eyes of your heart will be enlightened so that you might know the hope to which you've been called and the power of God that's been at work in you. The power that raised Jesus and has raised you to life. But I suspect too this week has left, for many of us, lots of unanswered questions. That is, we've come with some ideas, we've absorbed things from our churches, from books we've read, from stories that we've heard about what the Spirit does, and we were sort of hoping that that's what this would be about, and we seem to have ignored those things, and they've never hit the the headlines of, of NYC. And it may be that what you've heard this week is quite different to what you think. Now, one of my disappointments with MIC is that if, if that is your experience, um, I would have loved to have more sort of interaction engagement on it. Um, uh, and if the way I have done things and others have done it, have, have you, you felt squashed by that, you felt you, like you couldn't say, but, 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 but what about, can I apologise? Because that's not what I meant it to be. I really, it's important, it's critical in my mind that we're able to discuss and disagree and think through things. And if you're still feeling like that, please, please come and talk to me or uh, or to one of our staff, talk to each other about it. Keep thinking it through. Don't just believe it because somebody said it at NYC. But I hope your experience of NYC was that we were seriously committed to trying to find answers in the Word of God, not in anecdotes, but in what God himself has revealed. If that hasn't been your experience, again, I apologise for that. Please help us to do better. But I I think that's what we've tried to do. That's been our honest attempt, is to just open God's word and see what it says about the work of the Spirit. And my prayer is that we've done that honestly and accurately and helpfully. So you hear that? You've got freedom to disagree. And if you haven't felt that freedom, please feel it now and act on it. I think for most of us, though, there's also that indigestion. Too much has come. We need time to process. Please, in the coming weeks, do some of that process. I know it's really... One of the great temptations is you come to something like this and it sort of blows you away and you've got 25,000 questions and stuff that hasn't quite settled yet. You've, you've sort of half got it, but it's not really in your hands. And maybe a good thing to do might be... Most, most of us have got a... If you're, not at, if you're at UWA, you've got a week off now before uni starts, maybe each day just look back over one of the seminars, think back through it, look at the passage, spend some time processing 
not just processing the understanding, though, actually responding from the heart to what God is teaching you. Let it become part of you and who you are. Um, the talks, we hope, will go up online pretty quickly. So if you want to use those and listen to them again, uh, they'll be available. We'll put a link on the UWACU website. Um, but can I say, in a sense, more foundationally than that, keep listening to the Spirit by listening to his word. That's the key, isn't it? He speaks by his word. Keep opening your Bibles, reading it and understanding it and responding to it. Going forward from here, one of my prayers for you is that because of what you've done in this week together, you see yourself differently now. You were chosen before the creation of the world. God already knew you in that sense, before you existed, before your parents did, before he made this amazing world. I take it the, the, the significance of that is he actually created the world so you would live in it and be part of it because he decided he wanted you as one of his people. He chose uh, to make you holy and blameless in Jesus, to adopt you into his very own family, not just for a little while, but for eternity. He's lavished his grace on you in an extraordinary way. He sent his spirit to regenerate you and indwell you, to mark you as his forever. And that's a different way of thinking about yourself, isn't it? You tend to think of yourself, well, I'm, this is the family I come from, this is the course I'm doing at uni, these are the sports I like. This is more significant than that, isn't it? Much, much more significant. You're empowered by the Spirit. He's producing his fruit. That inevitable change is happening and it's going to keep happening. That's at the personal level, but do you notice in Ephesians, the emphasis is not just on the individual, it's actually on the big, grand purposes of God. He's planned from before eternity, all eternity to unite everything under the Lord Jesus Christ. And the word he uses for unite is a, it's an interesting word. It's, the word. it's actually a mathematical word. It means to sum up. In those days when they did their, their maths, <coughs> excuse me, and, and you had a column of figures that you were adding up, we write the answer at the bottom, don't we? That is, we add down. They added up. They put the answer at the top. Because the top, the answer, ruled over all the numbers under it. And every number under it finds its right place as part of under the sum. And so the picture is of Jesus being the sum. Everything being united, finding its right place under Jesus. The head and the unifier. That's where God is going. And at the moment, the primary way he's doing that is by calling people to himself, by his spirit, to be one of his people, to live under the lordship of Jesus and be united together. That is, the word for that is church, the body, the, what, how else it's described, a building. And he's gifted you to be part of that, to contribute to it. That is, in a sense, whether you like it or not, you're conscripted into being a builder. Do you realise that? Engineers, that sort of figures, doesn't it? Uh, if you're not an engineer, well, you're a builder for God. You're part of the, t the team, not only who's built into that new people, but who now builds that, has the enormous privilege and opportunity 
to contribute to something that is so wonderful and huge and good that it will be forever brilliant and glorious. Uh, Did you notice in Ephesians 3 that Paul says that part of God's plan, one of the big bits of God's plan, is that he's showing off his wisdom to all the principalities and powers by pointing them to the church, to us, and to the unity of the church that's been created by Jesus and the Spirit. It's a wonder, well, it's a scary thing in one sense. See, what it means is that, you know the time when the person did offend you and you're just about to blow your stack and if you'd let that run its course, it probably would have split the whole youth group between them and you. And somehow in God's kindness, you didn't. God is pointing to that little thing that maybe nobody else saw. No, nobody saw what happened in your heart. But the, all the powers of the universe saw it. God put his spotlight on it and said, look, that's my wisdom. That's my power at work to do something that nothing else can do. Building the people of God. Just by something like that. Yeah, most of us are going back to uni next week, week after, whatever, back to study. I say, you go back to uni as a builder. That's, that's what you are. So, build. How do you build? Well, one of the main ways we build, isn't it, is by sharing that gospel of Jesus with our friends, with our, our classmates, and praying like crazy that the Spirit would open their eyes to receive that message and regenerate them so that they might get built into this incredible plan and purpose of God to unite all things under Jesus. That's what you do. That's how you build. It's not hard. It's not difficult. You don't have to get a degree in building. You've just got to know Jesus and start to tell others and pray for them. And we'll do it in different ways. And we've got opportunities. People are running events that might help us do it. But in the end, it comes back to us. Am I going to go to uni? Recognising that that's who I am. I'm a builder. And as you meet with other Christians, recognise that I get to build them. I get to encourage them and strengthen them to have their hope in Jesus, to be loyal to Jesus, to to know him better so that they trust him more and honour him more. And and we do that day by day, just sometimes by comments, sometimes by praying for people, by gathering and and studying the scriptures together so that we can spur each other on in that knowledge and that truth and and that reality. And we study as well. We do all sorts of other things, but that's actually what life's about. It's about building. I look beyond you, because most of you have, God willing, many years to live, and you've got a lifetime in front of you. What does it mean to build with your life? What are you going to do with your life? Now, your life will take all sorts of twists and turns. You'll have to earn money somehow to keep body and soul together. You'll have responsibilities to family. You might even have children one day. God forbid. No, they're beautiful, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll to change nappies and, and feed them and send them to school and take them uh, to, to athletics and whatever. Life is full of all sorts of things that you, that, that you do. But your life is actually about building in all that, through all that, as part of all that. How are you going to do it? I was struck on Wednesday night when Rob and Shelley said that uh, when they went to Mexico City, they discovered all these Christians, students and churches, who just didn't know even how to read the Bible and understand it. Now, most of you know how to do that, don't you? You just had a week of doing that with Ephesians. If you didn't know how to do it at the beginning, you've got some idea how to do it now, don't you? 
be really useful in Mexico City. And it's not unique. Not at all. I've just been spent some time in Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe is theoretically 85% Christian. Zimbabwe is a country in southern Africa. But a heresy called the prosperity gospel has just, just decimated Christianity here. Uh, most people say they're Christian, but they don't know the living Lord Jesus. Jesus is sort of like a genie that will give them what they wish for. He's not the Lord of all for most of them. That's what prosperity gospel does. And most students there, they might call themselves Christians, but they don't know Jesus. And you do. You can be very useful in a place like that. So if you want to build, one of the things that will happen is you'll, you'll be building, yes, you'll be going to lectures, you'll be sleeping at night, you'll be feeding yourself, you'll be looking around, having some fun, but you just, as you see yourself as a builder, and your heart, by the fruit of the Spirit, loves people, so you want to build them. Moved to work for their good, not the way of gifts, but the way of love. Then building will just become what you do more and more, and, and what you want to do more and more. And my prayer is that that will actually become your life. And whether you do that by quitting your job because somebody else is willing to pay you to become a staff worker at UWA or something like that, I really don't care. What I want you to see is that your life is about building the body of Christ. That's what it's about. That is the greatest project in the history of the universe and the most significant project that's ever been undertaken. And God is doing it through His Son, by His Spirit. And I encourage you to be part of that, to see that in what your life is about. And as you do that, God will open all sorts of doors. You might be doing it here, but if you want to do it, you'll, you'll be always asking, I wonder if I could contribute somewhere else. Is there other places I could go and grow the work of Jesus? And the Spirit, by His work, by producing fruit, you can't help but long to see people change, long to see people know Jesus and be transformed to be like And the Spirit is pushing out His fruit. And that will affect not just what you do next semester, but with all your life. So please keep in step with the Spirit. As you see the Spirit producing that fruit, moving in those directions, keep in step, go with it. All sorts of things might stop you. Fear. I wonder will I be able to fit myself. I, I, I'm uncomfortable maybe crossing cultures. I don't know whether I could ever leave something because people will look at me and they'll criticise me. Yeah, but keep in step with the Spirit. Keep doing what the Spirit leads you towards. Loving others and therefore building them towards Jesus. Let me finish by reading as a prayer for us John, oh, sorry, Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians 3, verses 16 to 19. I pray that out of God's glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, so that being rooted and established in love, you may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the measure of all the fullness of God. What a prayer to keep praying.